I'm excited about today. I'm kicking off a brand new series. If you have your Bible, your phone, uh, you could download the church app. If you have it, I'll be in Luke chapter 4, not only today, but uh, for the rest of the month. Luke chapter 4 is where we're going to begin. It's going to be uh, the new series. It's going to be based upon a couple of verses uh, in um, in uh, Luke chapter 4. And so uh, let's go ahead and and, and begin reading Luke 4, beginning in verse 14. I'm going to read a couple of different translations. 14 through 17 says this, Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Come on, somebody. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. And he taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, he is boyhood home. He went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the Scriptures. So let me pause and just... Uh, that was the part of what they, they're like back then, the Jewish people's weekly service was on the Sabbath, on Saturday, go to the synagogue, and either the rabbi, the leader of the synagogue would get up, read some text, which was Old Testament, obviously text is all they had, the Torah, the prophets, the Psalms, and they would read a text and have a sermon, and then one of the leaders would close out in prayer, and that was, that was their service as well. Jesus went in and they asked Jesus to read uh, 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 the scriptures and to give the sermon that day. And so let's continue on. It says, the scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, where this was written. And let me pause and say, I know, and I mean, I've shared a little bit. I've had people ask me about our Israel trip and how things were in Israel and, and whatnot. Well, one of the things that I got to do, and I wasn't even expecting to do it till just minutes before, uh, we went to a replica village of Nazareth where Jesus would have grown up, what it would have looked like, and actually also a replica synagogue that he would have went to and as a boy and would have went where this would have taken place and read the scripture. And so I want to read the, the next couple of verses from Israel. How about that? Check this out. Then he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set to liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So I was honored to read that scripture in Israel in a replica uh, synagogue. And if you notice, they actually had a scroll and everything that I was... I really wasn't reading from the scroll. I was reading from my phone. But my wife thought I was. She was recording. She's like, I thought it was just on the scroll. I thought I said, no, I just put my phone in the middle. And know, because the guy was like, do you have it? Yeah, so I can put it up on my phone. But I was really honored and blessed. Like, man, just to have the feel like this is what it would have kind of looked like or felt like. And he even had me sit down when I, he picked up. Let me just pick up the scripture now. Luke 4, 20 and 21. He rolled up the scroll and handed it back to the attendant. And I did that after I read it and sat down. And all the eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you just heard has been fulfilled this very day. This new series I'm kicking off today is called Fulfilled, which is based on this verse. That Jesus came. He reads the prophet Isaiah, chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. And he says, today it has been Fulfilled. See, Jesus reading the scripture and his proclamation was a preview of his whole public ministry. As I mentioned earlier, he was asked to read the scripture and give the, the, the sermon in the synagogue that day. And when he did, the Jewish rabbis, the leaders at the time, 
interpreted this passage from Isaiah to refer to the Messiah and also all the people in the synagogue knew it too. So they knew when he said today this scripture has been fulfilled, Jesus in his own hometown was looking at the Jewish leaders, the rabbis, his fellow friends and family, and he was telling them, I am the Messiah. He was making it clear that day, this, today this scripture has been fulfilled. Think about that. Think about how the shock on the people's face when Jesus boldly proclaimed that he was the Messiah. He returned to his hometown synagogue to announce the good news that God's salvation has now arrived. You know, in our society, in our day and age, um, me and Nathan were just talking about this too, about an incident that happened. We actually like bad news in our society. If you think about it, the, the, the biggest hits on social media, the biggest articles is usually some kind of bad news. Most news articles, most uh, uh, reports that, 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 that are put out in the news media are negative, right? It's bad news. And, and, and again, we have to admit that. Most of us, whether we like, I say like bad news, we're drawn to bad news. Let me say it that way. I'll give you an example. You know what the term rubbernecking means whenever you're driving, right? What happens, an accident happens, and we're drawn to that. You've heard the term, man, it's like a train wreck. You can't look away. It's tragic. It's bad, but you're just drawn to it. But you know what? The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is good news. It's great news. Amen. So we're all drawn. Most of us are drawn to, to bad news, but hopefully you don't like bad news. If you like bad news, then the gospel's not for you because the gospel is good news. It's good, good news, you know, man. And that's what Jesus came to proclaim, not only in Nazareth over 2,000 years ago to his people, but for all of us as well. Jesus specified who he was anointed to preach this gospel to. Let's read it in the New King James, Luke 4, 18. This is what I was reading from in Israel. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So this is where we're going to start out today. We're going to talk about how the, the poor need to hear good news. Now, there are, of course, many areas of the poor. And the main emphasis on this word poor here is the spiritually poor. But if you look through Jesus' life and ministry, you'll see that he ministered to every area of poverty. Think about it. There's natural poverty, right? Some people that don't have enough money or, or to, to eat, to basic needs or, or a place to live. There's relational poverty. Some people have, have, have relational, uh, 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 you know, struggles and, and are in poverty when it comes to relationships. Some it's emotional poverty. They're poor when it comes to, they, they may be hurting emotionally. Maybe this time of year as we're really, we turn the corner into the Christmas season, the holiday season. For some people, this is a struggle for them. Where for some of us, it's a joyous time and you're listening to Christmas music and, and decorations and all that kind of stuff. But some people, they're heavy. They're, it's emotional poverty they're dealing with. And like I said, the main and most important one and that he was referring to was spiritual poverty. Think about this. You know, you've heard people say, man, how's so-and-so doing? Well, man, his health is poor. He's in poor health right now. It could be physically. Maybe you, you, you physically are in poor health right now. And again, when you look at Jesus' life and ministry, you see he came to minister, to preach the gospel to every area of poverty. So why did Jesus preach the gospel specifically, quote-unquote, to the poor? Well, number one, because in Christ, the poor are made priority. The poor made priority. Remember, he came to preach the gospel to the poor. See, the poor have always mattered to God. Always. Even in, we see it in the Old Testament, Psalm 113, 5 and 8. Who can be compared with the Lord our God who is enthroned on high? 
He stoops to look down on heaven and on earth. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them amongst princes and even the princes of his own people. You know, I was just praying over the serve team to be blessed, that God would bless them exceedingly and abundantly. I love that. Not only does he, 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 he lifts the poor from the dust and the needy, it says he sets them amongst princes. Come on, some of you are believing whatever area maybe you're dealing with poverty at in your life, you're believing just to get to the status quo and the Lord wants to place you amongst princes. The Lord has even more. He's not a, he's not just a status quo God. And we see this by him sending his son and the provision that he made for us and in every area. Isaiah 25, 4, but you are a tower of refuge to the poor, O Lord, a tower of refuge to the needy in distress. You are a refuge from the storm and a shelter from the heat. We see God's heart to the poor. And God makes the poor priority because of who he is. It's his reputation. I just spent a whole uh, month or so uh, uh, talking about God's character. If you miss any of that, go check out the character of God. And we talked about his compassion, his unfailing love, his hesed, right? That, 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 that's his heart, right? He's compassionate. The poor tug on his heart. He's attentive to the poor as well with his eyes and his ears. He's also just. Yes, we talked about him being just, that he doesn't excuse the guilty. He made a way to forgive sin, but he doesn't excuse the guilty. But he's also just, that word just, to move to action when people are in need, when the poor are in need, and he's able to meet them where they are. And this is good news for you today. You may feel poor in one of these areas spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, maybe in the natural Maybe there's some natural things that you're lacking in your life. You have to know that the Lord is compassionate. He sees you. He's just, and he's more than able to meet the needs, whatever you have, whatever your need might be. Amen. I shared this with, uh, with this family yesterday for the service and how this was, this was the, 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 the I was in relational poverty when my dad died. My dad died tragically at 19. And when I gave my life to Christ, I read this scripture. Five years after I gave my life to the Lord, I got saved right here at this altar. And it says this, Psalm 68, 5, Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God whose dwelling is holy. You see that when God sees there's a lack, so to speak, in our lives, for me, it was a lack of a father. My dad was gone. And when I got a hold of that, wow, that God wants to be my father now, a defender of widows. I think about that. My wife and I met uh, with a widow and her daughter. And I thought, man, and I shared that with them at, 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 at the funeral of their husband and dad. In one verse, he covers that family. Father to the fathers of this girl that lost her dad and the defender of a widow of the mom who lost her husband. Amen. The poor always matter to God. The poor also matter to Christ when he was on earth. Listen what it says, what Jesus said when John the Baptist was trying to confirm if he was the Messiah, he started having doubt. He had prophesied that Jesus was the Messiah, but over circumstances, he's in prison. He starts doubting. He sends his disciple to ask Jesus if he was the Messiah. They were waiting for and Look at Luke 7, 22. Then when he told John's disciples, go back to John and tell him what you've seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those who... Those with leprosy are cured and the deaf hear. The dead are raised to life and the good news is preached to the poor. He specifies his priority to the poor. Side note, this is Jesus confirming that he's fulfilling the Isaiah 61 prophecy. You know, another reason why the poor always matter to Jesus, and this is what's awesome, Jesus can relate to all of us in every situation because he could relate to those that were down and out. He could relate to the poor, right? He was one of them. 
you know, we often glorify, especially this time of year, we glorify the manger, right? Little baby Jesus in a manger for Christmas. But you know what a manger is? It's a trough. It's a cattle trough that, 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 that cattle, horses or whatever would, would drink and eat from. He was born in, in, in a barn amongst animals and then was placed in a cattle trough. Come on, mamas. How many of you, if you had to put your brand new newborn baby in a cattle trough, Brittany's like, I can't even imagine. And look, they had a Lysol and sanitizer back then. I don't think Mary cleaned that thing out and made sure it was right. So this is how he was born. If you look at the rest of his life, he was born of a carpenter's son. I mean, yes, they made a living, but when we went to that, that replica city, uh, uh, Nazareth village, they wasn't wealthy people, right? And that's how he was born and grew up. And we see even when he took off as an adult uh, for his public ministry, look what it says in Matthew 8, 19 and 20. Then one of the teachers of religious law said to him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to even lay his head. Now he's the king of glory seated at the right hand of the Father, and came down from, from all his glory to be one of us so he could relate to those. You know, one of the meanings of the word poor means to be marginalized. It means pushed to the outskirts or pushed to the side. But when Jesus was on earth, and even now, Jesus brought the poor into focus. They were one of the main targets of his ministry. Think about blind Bartimaeus. He was physically poor, right? And may, may have been economically too, we don't know. But if you don't know the story of blind Bartimaeus, Jesus and his entourage is walking by and, and Bartimaeus is blind. And he begins to holler, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, he cries out. And what does the crowds do? They try to quiet him. Like, no, 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 be quiet, man, be quiet, shush. And I love what he did. He started shouting even louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, right? He cries out and what does Jesus do? He didn't push him to the side. Jesus says, bring him here to me. You have all these people. He's walking with his disciples, focused on Jesus. He takes a man who was physically poor, blind, and said, brings him to him and heals him right there in front of everybody. He made them a priority, no matter what area of poverty it was. And the poor also mattered to the early church. Once Jesus was resurrected after his death and burial, he was resurrected and ascended. The early church takes off in, in Acts. Look at Acts chapter 4 and 34 and 35. There was no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles and give to those in need. So we see all through Scripture that the poor was a priority. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 2, 9 and 10. They encouraged us to keep preaching the Gentiles to the Gentiles why they continued their work to the Jews, preaching the gospel. Their only suggestion was that we keep on helping the poor, which have always been eager to do. Amen? In Christ, the poor are our priority in every area of poverty. Again, not just one area, but every area. Number two, in Christ, the poor have provision. Again, and this is an encouraging. This is part of the good news, both natural and spiritual. See, the best news for someone who's maybe broke or hungry or who can't pay their bills is to get word to know that provision is coming, that there's a way now that they're above to eat or feed their children or, or pay a bill or, or have a place to say that's, that's great news. And if you read the Old Testament, the Old Testament is story after story of God's supernatural provision for those who need. Let me just run you down on a few of them. Think about it. spiritually speaking or even naturally. 
a ram in the thicket for Abraham. When Abraham was going to sacrifice his son Isaac, God was testing him. God provided a ram. A well in the desert for Hagar and her son who were dying of thirst. Manna in, from heaven for the children of Israel in the desert. Water from a rock. When they got thirsty, God provided for them in the desert. The widow at Zarephath had a flowing supply of all and flour. She was a widow, right? God, we just saw God's heart for widows. He's a defender of widows. She had debt. They were going to come pick up her son's pe- so to, to pay for the debt that her, 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 her husband had acquired, and God provided an unending flow of oil and flour. Elijah, man of God, prophet, was fed by the ravens in a time of famine. Even leopards in Jerusalem got the spoils of war after God supernaturally defeated the enemies of Israel. Story after story in the Bible, we see God will meet the needs of those in need, both natural and spiritual. Amen? Look at Philippians 4, 9, and 20 in the Legacy Standard Bible. It says, and my God will, I love this, fulfill all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, I I titled this series Fulfilled out of the verse, verse 21, that Jesus has fulfilled everything, every prophecy that Isaiah prophesied about the Messiah. But it's also twofold. You and I can only truly be fulfilled through Christ. Amen? In Christ is our provision, our spiritual provision to be saved, to be right with God, and every other provision. We can only truly be fulfilled in Him. Of course, we know the most important need is a spiritual need. Now, if God will provide for us food to eat and water to drink and and air to breathe, of course, He will provide for our spirit as well. You know, another definition of the word poverty means you have nothing to contribute. If you have, if you're poor, you have nothing to contribute. So let's look at this spiritually speaking. If righteousness were money, you and I would be dead broke in our own. The Bible says our righteousness and our, our is like filthy rags. Righteousness was money, we'd be broke, right? If good works on our own was money, we'd be broke. If holiness, trying to live holy uh, and upright apart from God, we have nothing to contribute. We would be spiritually poor without Christ. Some of you may be. All of us were at one time. I want to read Matthew 5, 3 in a few different translations. A very popular scripture. I want to start in Matthew 5, 3 in the New American Standard. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. Look at it in the New Living Translation. God blesses those who are poor. We know that means poor in spirit and realize their need for him for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Ah, it's getting a little bit clearer. Now let's read in the Amplified, Matthew 5, 3. Blessed, spiritually prosperous, happy to be admired are the poor in spirit, those devout of spiritual arrogance, those who regard themselves as insignificant, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven both now and forever. See, that's why Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We can experience some of God's kingdom here on earth, but we're going to experience all of God's kingdom for all eternity. See, so from these verses, this verse of scripture, as these different translations, we get a picture and see what is the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit are those who know they can't be made right with God on their own or make it to heaven on their own. That's those that are spiritually poor. 
And for some of you, maybe you thought that and maybe you realize that now. Maybe you realize that there's no amount of church attendance or no amount of money you can give, no amount of good things that you can do on your own to get there. And when you realize that you are poor in spirit and your need for Christ, the Bible says you are blessed. He provides what we need, especially spiritually speaking. Praise the Lord that he made a provision through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for our salvation and our eternity. How many of you are happy about that? How many of you are blessed by that, right? So in Christ, the poor are priority, and in Christ, the poor have provision. And the third and final thing is that in Christ, the poor have a place. The poor have a place. You know, in the original language of the Bible, both the Greek and the Hebrew, one of the main definitions of the word poor means without inheritance. If you were not left an inheritance of parents or grandparents, didn't leave you an inheritance, you were considered poor. But in Christ, we have a place of inheritance. We have inheritance in Christ. That doesn't mean that we're going to see it on the earth because that's not what he's talking about. Look what 1 Peter 1, 3, and 4 tells us. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Christ Jesus from the dead. And now... We live with great expectation. Watch this, saints. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Come on, that's good news right there. You might be like, man, my parents didn't leave me inheritance. Well, guess what? In Christ, you got an inheritance stored up for you. Waiting for you. And the Bible says it's priceless. Even natural inheritance. You can get a great inheritance of, of, of both cash, of stocks, of property, assets, all of this kind of stuff. But that thing can change and it can decay. Our spiritual inheritance that is waiting for us in heaven is priceless and will never decay and never change. You can be quote unquote poor here on the earth, but if you're in Christ, you're going to have an inheritance. It's waiting for you right now. I share with the serve team members of Friday night about the great reward that's awaiting them for serving and living a life of obedience. But for us who are in Christ, we have an inheritance as well. And this is great news. And in the Old Testament, there's a great picture of our spiritual inheritance. I know Pastor Kelly's talked about it a good bit, and, and we love it. I talked about it, I think, in the last series. In the Old Testament, there was a man named Mephibosheth. And he was the son of, of Jonathan. Jonathan was the best friend of King David. They had, they were covenant brothers and friends. And, and of course, Jonathan's dad was Saul, who became the enemy of David. And, and obviously, Saul was trying to kill David. And, and through a series of events and battles, both Saul and Jonathan were killed in battle. And King David becomes the king. Now, you got to understand, in those days, a monarch, a kingdom, whenever someone took over the kingdom, usually the king would, would, would get rid of, would dispose of, would take out all of the family of the previous king, especially if they were an enemy of his. Uh, and so, but David, on the other hand, David, he had a covenant with, with Jonathan. And because his relationship with Jonathan, he said, I want to show kindness to the house of Saul. Is there anyone that who is a descendant of Saul, and they said, "Yes, Jonathan's son, who was his best friend, Mephibosheth, is still alive, but he's crippled. He was dropped by his nurse, and he was crippled." And he said, "Tell Mephibosheth to come to me." Now you got to understand, Mephibosheth probably went to the palace thinking he was about to be executed. This is my my, my grandfather's enemy here. He's about to be executed. But instead of executing Mephibosheth, you know what he did? He had Mephibosheth come and sit at the place of honor at the king's table and give him the best portion of food. He said, for the rest of your life, you're going to eat at the king's table. What a great picture 
of our salvation. Amen. You and I were spiritually crippled. We didn't do anything. Actually, we were enemies of God. But because of the covenant through Jesus Christ and what Jesus did, we have a place at the king's table. Amen. And that's great news today. And that's the inheritance we have to look forward to. Think about some of the other New Testament figures like Peter. He was a fisherman, right? A rough guy. And he has a place amongst Jesus' disciples. Matthew, a despised tax collector. Had, you know, the, the, even the disciples couldn't stand him. And a lot of the Jewish people, all of the Jewish people couldn't. But whenever he came to Christ, he had a place amongst the disciples. What about Mary Magdalene? She was an adulteress. She was demon-possessed. But Jesus cast out those demons. She turned to Christ, and she also had a place next to Jesus. Come on. Whether you're spiritually poor or whatever, wherever you may be in your life, emotionally, mentally, relationally, when you're in Christ, when you accept the gospel and the good news, there's a place for you. There's a place for you and I at the table. And then in Christ, the poor have a place of purpose. See, we're talking about God providing for the poor, wherever it is, in every area of life. But once the Lord has provided for you, now you have the responsibility to give as freely as you've received. Amen? You're now a channel of God's provision that God wants to use. Yes, God supernaturally provides for people, but he also uses the church and others to provide both naturally and spiritually, as we just saw in the book of Acts, as I read earlier, Acts chapter 4. Let's look at two aspects, both the natural and the spiritual. Matthew 10, 5 and 8, Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. That's preaching the gospel. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. He said, hey, y'all are all spiritually poor and crippled. Y'all came to me. I gave you new life now freely as you have received the gospel and salvation. Now go and allow me to use you to preach the gospel and heal the sick and so forth and so on. This is also a lot of the things that Jesus said he fulfilled through the prophecy of Isaiah. Just as the Lord has used others to help bring healing and freedom and discipleship to our lives, we must be willing to be used by the Lord to do the same as all this great serve team has been doing all year and for, for many of them, many a years. Now that's spiritual provision, but let's look at how there's a purpose and as the Lord even provides for us, there's a purpose in provision, in natural provision. Look at 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 19. Teach those who are rich in the world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. I think today more than ever, our money is very unreliable. Re unreliable. Like my, my speaking sometimes. Right? When you look at our economy, stock market, all that kind of stuff, it says, hey, don't trust in your money. Very unreliable. Who should we trust in instead? They should trust should be in God who richly gives all we need for our enjoyment. I love that. It's twofold. God gives us what he needs. But listen, did you know God wants you to enjoy life too? He gives you things so you can enjoy it, right? He wants to bless you with your needs and provide, but also so you can enjoy life. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works. Oh, and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. It's not just for our need, not just for our enjoyment. It's also to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. See, there's a purpose in prosperity. 
See, there's a false thing called the, the prosperity gospel, something out there that's been preached for years that, hey, man, if you get saved, you're going to be rich. Well, that's not what the Bible says. There's a purpose in prosperity. When God does, yes, he wants to provide your needs. He wants you to enjoy life, but he wants you also to help others, to serve others, to, to freely give just as you've been given. Now, some of you, when I read that first verse, it says, those tell those that are rich to not to trust in their money. Well, you checked out and said, well, Brandon, I'm not rich, so that doesn't apply to me. You know, if you're sitting in this building in America, you're richer than more than most of the world. You know, only 10% of the global of the global population lives above the poverty line. Did you know that? Only 10%. What is it, close to maybe 8 billion people? Let's just say over 7 billion people in this world, and 90% of them are living in poverty. Did you know that? Isn't that crazy? We live in America. Pastor Robert just reminded me uh, before the first service, they just got back from Cuba. They went to Cuba. And the average salary in Cuba, listen to this, is $30 a month. $30 a month. He said the government will help them out by giving them how many eggs? A month. They give the, the, a family five eggs a month. That's how the government can help them. That's poverty, y'all, right? So it, you, you might not, you know, be rich in, our, in America's eyes, but compared to that, you're rich, right? Everybody's sitting in this building. If you drove here, you got a vehicle and clothes in your back and, and, and a place to live, you're rich, Amen. And the Lord wants us to give. There's a purpose in prosperity. It's not to stop with us. Yes, we can enjoy it. Yes, God wants to bless us, but it's not to stop. We are to use those things. I love, in, in three verses, he says, God will provide our needs. We can enjoy it, but we are so to use some of our provision to help and to bless others. Amen? So how do we practically do this? Well, to be intentional about helping the, the poor. First and foremost, we need to present the gospel, preach the gospel to them, love on them, spend time discipling them. But also, there's other practical ways that we can help out as well. I didn't forget, today's the first Sunday of the month, and we're going to pick up a missions offering in a few minutes. As I was praying and considering what to do this, this last missions offering of the year, I thought it would be good for us to pick up a missions offering for our community and maybe even some in our church. It's the holiday season, and you know, there's some people that are less fortunate, and some people that may be struggling and can't buy gifts for their children. Could you imagine as a parent, I've been so blessed my whole life, grew up, never worried about having uh, gifts from my, me or my brother. Uh, my wife and I have been so blessed. We've always been able to buy gifts for our children. But could you imagine as a parent or grandparent not being able to give simple gifts to your kids for Christmas? Well, man, if there's people in our community, even in our church, we want to be able to bless them this holiday season and help them with the basic things, maybe a good meal for the holidays or gifts or things like this. And after I made the decision, you know, me and Miss Charlotte, we meet once a week. She's my assistant, and she, she brings me different things. Right after the same day, actually, I believe the same day, I made a decision to pick up the missions offering for this holiday season. Uh, a, a local nonprofit organization contacted us and see if, see, to see if we can help out. There's a family in our community, a family of seven, that their house burned down and they lost everything. I mean, they need clothes, they need food. They, the Red Cross uh, would pay for them to stay in a hotel for like a week, and that was running out. And it was just, I believe, the Lord's confirmation that this mission offering would be perfect this month. We can help that family already find out the specifics that they need and others like that. So if I get the ushers to come down as we close today, this is one of the ways that you can help. 
that you can share the provision that the Lord has given you. Also, there's other practical ways of, of time. Uh, Ken Hargrave, you want to go ahead and stand up? Ken, he just came back. Ken's been having a heart for children, ministry in Otacon for years. They've moved to doing more of a food bank now, and they're serving 400 uh, families, 400 meals to families a month. Is that what it is? So they give 400 baskets of food every month in Eldercon. Isn't that a blessing? But they need help picking up food, distributing food. So you can go talk to Ken after. You can sign up uh, also in the info center if you want to help him out. Thank you, Ken, for serving so faithfully all these years. Also, we have what's called Meals on Wheels. Leslie Leonard was at the first service. She heads that up. They go bring food to uh, uh, elderly people, people that are shut in that really can't leave their house Monday through Friday. They need people to pick up meals and deliver meals. Also, you can get her info in the uh, in the info center. And then we also have Helping Hands first Saturday of every month. Kenneth, Elena Thibodeau head up that ministry. They go give food to the homeless. You saw that 990 meals to the homeless already this year that they go give. But all of these ministries, we went to with, with, the, with Helping Hands for Serve Day. But they don't not only don't they not only go give meals, they, they present the gospel. They love on people. They pray for people. I know Ken and them are doing the same thing. I know Leslie and her crew for Meals on Wheels are doing the same thing. These are all ways. It's not just giving our dollars. It's giving our time, our, our love, our prayers, and the gospel to those in need. Amen? So today we're going to wrap this thing up, and, and we're going to have people up here in a minute to pray. You may be, you may feel, or you, you are in maybe poverty, so to speak, maybe emotionally, maybe relationally, maybe physically. I had a lady come up and she's been having severe stomach issues and, and I prayed for her. She was in a lot of pain. But this altar was full this morning at the first service. If you relationally, physically, emotionally, maybe feel poor in health, we want to pray for you this morning. But you know what? Spiritually poor is the worst kind of poverty you can have. When Jesus said he came to preach the gospel to the poor, the emphasis was, on those that were spiritually poor. We read what it means to be poor in spirit. I ask this often because I do funerals a lot. This lady was 52 years old and died suddenly. If that was your service I did yesterday, where would you be spending eternity? Are you right with the Lord? Have you been trying to, to make it to heaven or get right with, with, with Christ by your own works and your own things? The Bible says those that are spiritually poor understand that they're not right with God, but they have a need to be right with him and that they can't do it on their own. But Jesus made the provision. He died on the cross for you and I to take our sin, to take our place. Would you bow your head with me and close your eyes just out of reverence for people around and uh, uh, respect for people around and reverence for the Lord. If you say, Brandon, you know what? That's the biggest thing I'm dealing with is, is, is spiritual poverty. I know that I'm spiritually poor and broken, busted and disgusted. I'm not right with God. I don't know where I would spend eternity if I, if, if I die today. But I want to get right with the Lord. I need to get right with Jesus today. I need to give my life to Christ. If that's you, just slip up your hand. Say, that's me, man. I'm spiritually poor. I'm spiritually bankrupt. Amen. I see your hands over here. Anybody else? Even if you're watching at LPCC, I see you over here. Come on, just lift up your hands to the Lord as a sign of surrender. And say, man, that's me. That's me. Come on, can we pray together? I just want to lead you in a simple prayer of faith. Let's all pray this together, church. Lord Jesus. Thank you for making a way. Thank you for coming down and dying in my place for my sin. Lord, I know that I've sinned. I repent of my sin. I ask you to forgive me. I turn to you today. I surrender my life to you. I declare my need for you, Lord. 
Would you help me? Would you save me? Would you lead me all the days of my life? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, can we celebrate with these this morning? Amen. If you made that decision today, there's a connection card in the chair in front of you. Fill out that card, bring it to the info center. We got a Bible for you, we want to pray for you. Hey, listen, if you're our guest today, we only pick up a missions offering. I mean, an offering, we only pass the basket once a month, and it's a missions offering. Every penny we pick up today is not going to stay inside this church. We're going to help the needs of our community unless someone has a need here for the holidays or provision. So, ushers, you can go ahead and start uh, passing the, uh, the basket if you want to help and want to give. No obligation, no pressure. But you know what? I believe that the Lord wants to use our church as he's done many, many times to help those in need. Amen? Because again, we see it through the, through the Gospels. We see Jesus feeding people naturally and then preaching the Gospel. We see in the New Testament church, as we read, they would meet their physical needs, but they would also preach the Gospel and pray for them. I believe it's been another fruitful year at Family Life, and we're going to finish on a strong note. Amen? Amen. If I can get the pastors and the altar workers to go ahead and come up here right now as they finish up this mission's offering. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for giving. As you saw, over $330,000 been given to missions this year. What a blessing. And that's that's not even counting this month yet. You guys are so faithful to do what the Lord's called us to do. Would you stand up with me now? And if you say, Brandon, you know, for me, I, I've been saved. There wasn't a spiritual thing. or a, a, But maybe you emotionally, maybe you feel like you're emotionally in poor health or mentally or maybe physically. You need a healing in your body. Come on. He came to, 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 to fulfill the scriptures, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. Come on, as people start making their way up, come on up here right now, and we're going to pray for you. We want, we want people to pray for you. We want people to stand with you. Amen. If that's you, come on, make your way to the altar. We want to pray as we close up in prayer today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, let me just pray over you. Come on, how many of you thankful for the Lord and what he's done, and that he's come to fulfill? He is the Messiah. Amen. He's the Messiah, and he's come to fulfill what was prophesied thousands of years ago. We're going to continue to get into it. He come to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. Father, I just thank you for today, for what you've done, what you're doing even right now at the altar, Lord God, as people are coming up. And Lord God, they, they maybe feel there's a lack. They're, they know there's a lack in their life. I pray you just continue to minister to them, to help them here at the altar, Lord God, and every day. I thank you for those that gave today. I pray grace and peace be upon them. Continue to use this church as you've done many, many times already, Lord God. Continue to use us. That we've freely been given, that Lord God, we would freely, uh, we've been, we received from you, so we would freely give both in spiritually presenting the gospel, loving on people, helping people throughout not only the holiday season, but each and every day of our life. Thank you for these today. Bless them as they go, Lord, in the mighty and wonderful name of Jesus. We pray, and everybody said amen and amen. Well, God bless y'all. Y'all have a great day. Appreciate y'all. Altars open if you need prayer for anything.